Attention bourbon lovers, are you ready for a taste sensation like no other? Old Raleigh Distillery, recently awarded Best Micro Distillery in the U.S., invites you to experience the art of whiskey blending firsthand. Located just east of Raleigh in downtown Zebulon, the distillery specializes in premium, micro-batch bourbon, and limited-release whiskeys. Visit the tasting room Tuesday through Sunday to savor a wide variety of whiskeys, specialty cocktails, wine, and beer. And don't miss a chance to peek behind the curtain with a tour of the blending operation every Saturday and Sunday at 1 and 2 p.m. For more information and to plan your visit, visit OldRaleighDistillery.com. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Old Raleigh Distillery for exclusive updates and behind-the-scenes content. Old Raleigh Distillery, where every sip tells a story. Our priority is ensuring Raleigh is safe for those who live, work, and visit. It's a problem of abundance. Too many people, too much going on. You know, it's a great problem to have and, and it benefits our city, but we have to figure out how to manage it. Yeah, a lot of people have questions about that. So it's bigger than just parking fines. You're listening to Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I'm your host, Gina Stevens. You may know Raleigh Magazine, but what you may not know is how we get our stories. It's all inside baseball. You'd be surprised what people will tell us. Our MO is telling stories no one else is telling. So this podcast is where you get the inside access to stories you won't read anywhere else. So let's dive into some of Raleigh Magazine's biggest stories. You may know it as your go-to strip to blow off steam, but Raleigh's entertainment district has rapidly descended into chaos and crime. Here today to discuss the ongoing drama and real-time stats is Editor-in-Chief Melissa Housen. Yeah, this one feels a little heavy and heartbreaking, but I'm hoping that we can shed some light on it and the very real crackdown that's happening so that we can instill some hope. We're, of course, talking about Glenwood South. As you've likely heard, the place to party and the city's cash cow, which brings in $1.2 billion in economic impact annually, has been riddled with crime. It's been a tough summer. And we're not talking about nuisance, noise complaints. We're talking serious stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Glenwood South's long been associated with these sort of common infractions like noise, obviously, um, public urination, gross, <laughs> but true. Um, but in recent months, these is escalated quickly. It's far beyond that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking drugs, guns, larceny, assaults, with no signs of it really slowing. But something else changed um, on Glenwood South this summer, parking tickets, yeah, which sounds small, we understand, but which led to how we shaped this story and how all these numbers came together. The idea was to check on all the stats, a summer snapshot of arrests and citations from the drugs and guns to traffic violations from July 1st through August 6th. And we worked with RPD. I mean, it was kind of a fluke. We, we, the idea was we would reach out to see how many parking tickets. Exactly. And then decided to ask them for, okay, why don't you give us all the tickets, everything you've written tickets for? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, so Gina had this idea, you know, you had this idea up front. Okay, this this starts, the parking starts July 1. On August 1, let's reach out and get the month of tickets. And so we we quietly did that, and we get the number back. And, you know, to our knowledge, we're the only media in the city that has that number. And it was really interesting, you know, statistic. And, and then 
you know, we talk about it at the meeting, and all of a sudden, we're already talking about all the violence that had just occurred. Literally, we get these numbers the day after the weekend with the the big busts and everything. And so that's when it's like, well, wait a minute. Now let's get all of these stats. And so I think that's kind of what we're going to unfold here, and also we did in the issue. Yeah, I mean, coming out. It, 270 tickets. Now, these are 270 of the $200 tickets. So the city instilled a— they announced it, said it's starting July 1, mm-hmm. um, $200 fine if your parking expires after— 9 p.m., I believe, and it was a very specific part of Glenwood South right. that was affected. It's the southern part. Mm-hmm. And I will admit I'm really confused by this <laughs> because if if someone has been partaking, drinking already at 9 or 10 o'clock and realizes, oh, crap, yeah. my parking's run out— do I want them to get in the car at that point and drive to a parking deck or get behind the wheel at all? You make a good point because the stats are that there's 270 this year down from 333 during the same duration last year. And that's a significant reduction. If you but, see that as a win because there's less people parking, but your point is good, did they just move their cars? Right. But the other thing is I'm a little baffled because the meters stopped running at 6 p.m., so, expi- <laughs> so expired meters after nine o'clock. That means that car's already been there a while. So, it's it, it, what they're trying to do is get people to move those cars, I guess, off the street. I think it's this. You've 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 wanted to do this for a while, and we've kind of done it. Everybody in Raleigh, I think, has been somewhere downtown where there's these heinous parking signs that have like a letter. <laughs> So we'll go with H, and then it has, like, what might as well be calculus, like, 17 rules. Like, you can park here from here to here if you're a resident or if you're not or if your hair is brown or whatever, you know? Like, I don't know. And by the time I read the sign, I'm like, I'm sweating. I don't know if I can park here. So I I have not been to look at these signs, but I'm assuming this is getting into a residential idea here of, like, where they don't want these spots to be taken up. Well, I, can't, I hate. To I don't say, know. I, I hate to say it. It has deterred me from going to Atlantic Lounge and places off of. Oh, those Street. signs over there. Those yeah. signs over there confuse me, and I know they're there to protect residents. I get it. Yeah. You don't want people parked all up in front of your house all the time, but it is so confusing. And yes, I've gotten two parking tickets over there because I finally give up and go. Okay, I'll pay the twenty dollars, but not two hundred. And we did ask. Uh, Councilman member Jonathan Melton about it. Um, you know, Stormy Forte was leading the charge and we weren't able to get her on the record before the podcast. But Melton explained that um, the amount of the of this particular fine is intended to encourage folks to park in decks and designated parking spaces. So, you know, I think the thinking is if the fine's too low, people would just stay there and pay it. Sure. So, but it, it does is, raise an interesting point. It's a little safer for them to leave their car there, I would think. Yeah. If they've already been drinking. But again. That's, I mean, it's fair because like we had our best bars event. There was several of us discussing, we don't get to drink a lot during that event, but we do have an after party. And there were several of us debating like, okay, do we go ahead and do we move our cars? Do we leave them in Village District while we're all sober and safe? Leave them here overnight? Are they safe overnight? I mean, I think a lot of people have questions about that. So it's bigger than just parking fines. Sure. Absolutely. And what's going on on Glenwood South, unfortunately, parking fines is the tiniest piece of this. Well, exactly, yes. Because it has been an incredibly crime-ridden summer. Yeah, chaos. There have been lots of, and we can go through the list, but really when you talk about the biggest part of this, 
was that major arrest of five people Mm -hmm. from botanicals and Armadillo Armadillo Grill. Grill. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was for possession of marijuana and cocaine Mm -hmm. with intent to sell, deliver. And selling. Yeah. Yeah. So intent and doing. (laughs) Intent and doing. Yes, exactly. But, you know, as we looked into these crimes, what was interesting is you could start to see the police have really cracked down because they were writing tickets for things I don't know that I've ever seen many tickets written for. Oh, for sure. So, well, in that weekend, just backing up a little, they they also seized 14 guns and had numerous drug and quality of life charges and made 36 arrests. I'm making that point because the next numbers we're going to give don't reflect those numbers. Right. That was all part of that ALE bust. And then the stats that we were given for, you know, July 1 to August yes. 6 don't include those numbers. So that's even more shocking, I think, when you start to hear them. Yeah, because, I mean, alcohol law enforcement, that must have been a long-term investigation, something they had been looking into for right. a while for that to happen. So they aren't part of the numbers we're talking about. I also think that, um, you know, we talked about this at work in our meetings, and we've all got some hospitality background or are close to people who do and none of us, and this is not a commentary on Raleigh. This is not a commentary on Glenwood South, and I want that no. to be perfectly clear. But none of us are surprised that there are drugs running through bars, you know, and it's not just these two establishments, no. 100%. And my general feeling, which could be completely wrong, is, you know, first of all, two thoughts. One, these are sort of the perfect places to make a deal because cash is exchanging hands all night long, and that that makes it right. sort of the makes it harder to see, I guess. And then my other point would be that it's happening in all these bars in all these oh. cities. It's not just Raleigh. No, it's, and it's not, not just, just going the south. You know, I mean, and so I think that the likelihood, though, for the my point about that is for these two to have been. Busted, like you said, it must have been an ongoing yeah. um, long, long-term investigation. Investigation. It makes me wonder if there might have been some kind of somebody rolling over on someone yeah. for them to know and to be able to go in and know that they're they're not going to go in unless they know they're going to find something. Well, and as I was talking to a lawyer friend of mine, these are serious charges. I mean, these are like 20, 30 year jail time. I mean, based yeah. on oh yeah, based on the quantity. But we also see that RPD is really enforcing a crackdown. And that was what was, you know, really interesting when you start looking at the different types of charges and things they were writing citations for and the volume of arrests. Oh, right. I mean, you have the big ones. So you have the 93 arrests. That was the number during that time. And you have some big arrests in there. You have five assaults, 16 drugs, 27 guns, firearms, weapons. And again, these don't even include that big weekend bus that we just discussed. But what was really fascinating when we start getting into this chart of arrests and general citations is how many not alarming things they were citing people for. There was one for improper use of a dealer tag or burned out headlight, excessive muffler noise. I think that shows that there's a high presence Mm -hmm. that RPD is taking this really seriously and going, okay, we're going to get this cleaned up. We're writing everything. Oh, absolutely. Because what we say, there were 100, not including the 93 arrests, obviously, but I think there were like 116 citations written for all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. It was, I believe it was exactly 116 and, or 114. And, you know, we talked to um, the RPD public information officer, Lieutenant Jason Borneo, 
we asked him, you know, to speak to these numbers. And for me personally, you know, this is not something he wanted to comment on directly, but, and you can tell me if you feel differently, but I feel like what I get in my ear all the time in the seats that we sit in is like, where is RPD? Where is RPD on Glen South? Why is this happening? And it's like, as opposed to it being whatever is causing all this, you know, I'm sure a population surge and who knows what else, but it couldn't be the fault of the people committing the crimes, right? Oh, no, it's like, it's, where's RPD? Right. Where's RPD? Well, RPD is there, obviously, and um, they are cracking down. And I think seeing this chart and seeing that it wasn't just DUIs, and of course there's some of those, and there were some larcenies, but I mean, there was just innumerable more minor charges that showed their dedication to just general safety. So that is what Jason spoke to. He said, our priority is ensuring Raleigh is safe for those who live, work, and visit. And this is a quote, as a community, we must be intolerant of violent crime and vigilant in identifying and addressing environmental factors. And that includes lighting and signage and things like that and individuals contributing to and engaging in criminal activity. So it's just like everything that's wrong is wrong, you know? I'm sure I saw this on some crazy television show and it's not reality, but there's this broken windows concept where... You know, people go, oh, just overlook it if someone breaks a window. It's a small-time thing. The right. point is, don't overlook anything. Exactly. And that's the way to keep it all under control. And that's kind of the way I felt when we started looking through these charges. Now, I will tell you, what is kind of scary is 27 people were arrested for guns, firearms, or weapons. To me, that's a lot to think about. Yeah, and that's not including the 14 guns they seized that right. one weekend. That's, and this is, you know— these were arrests. I mean, yeah, these were arrests. The most disturbing part was that there were 12 of them were for concealed weapons that didn't have a permit. I mean, obviously weren't supposed to. And there were f felons who aren't supposed to have a gun with guns. Yeah, the possession of a firearm by a felon was four. I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah. Again, th those are the numbers that scare me the most. You know, I we've spent some time when we were working on this story talking to bar owners and restaurant owners on Glenwood South and the surrounding area. And one of them said to me, if something doesn't change, I'm worried that you're going to see city council do a moratorium on opening any new bars or any new, any new thing on Glenwood South for a while. And there's a lot of stuff under construction, you know, up at the Northern part, there's the, the row, the new development that's going mm -hmm. in. You've got all this spaces where Devolve, yeah, that I mean, Dan is doing, yeah. who owns Cornerstone and and many other places. So there's a lot of things that are actively under construction. Again, we don't have any inside knowledge that the city council would do this or has ever considered it. But if it continues to be out of control, the bar owners are wondering what could be next, what what could happen. So I think yeah. they hope that they can get this under control. Because we just did that story. Would that have been the June issue, maybe, um, either May or June issue of all these things. We called it the Glenwood Tidal Wave, and you can still mm -hmm. find it on our website. And, and it was all of these new bars and businesses coming to Glenwood. And, of course, just like anything else, you know, they're not open yet. They're they're planned. Right. I'm sure if, if I were a business owner, I'd be looking at this scene and wondering if this was a good fit. You know, like you said, we don't have any direct knowledge of this, but it's sort of a logical question to ask. Also, I just saw on this chart that um, – so there was one, I was looking for the weapon, one that I can't find, but I saw um, that there were two, which in a month is kind of shocking to me. There were 
two hit and run leaving the scene that caused property damage, but I also zeroed in on the one that I had forgotten since we wrote this story a week or two ago um, to go to the printer, that there was two arrests for going armed to terrorize people. Yeah. Like to that with this, intent, with, with the intent, intent to terrorize someone. That's so disturbing. It all, it is all pretty disturbing. I mean, there are there's also like window tinting on here, yeah. which was our larger point. I mean, vehicle inspections, things like that. Urinating, of course. There's always got to be the urinating, but um, it stops on violations. That I will say, they are cracking down on that in general all over the city. So y'all better stop. Well, it's the right <laughs> on red. I mean, I get we've all been driving for a long time, and you could go right on red downtown. Those signs are there. I watched somebody, you and I just left another meeting before we came here, and I watched somebody make that right turn and never think about it, and the signs right there. It's hard. It's a hard habit to break, mm-hmm. but I can already see how it makes pedestrians safer. A local icon since 1949 and where Raleigh comes to celebrate, savor, and enjoy. Village District is celebrating 75 years of tradition and taste. You can join the celebration for their 75th anniversary on Saturday, April 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. on Woodburn Road. Enjoy live music, pop-ups, a kid-friendly area, and the launch of their Village 75 beer, exclusively brewed by Standard Beer and Food. For more event details and other Village District happenings, you can follow Village District on Instagram at shopvillagedistrict, Visit their website at shopvillagedistrict.com or sign up to receive texts by texting the word village to 919-701-0202. Campbell University School of Law offers a wholly online or in-person two-semester patent law certificate program designed for technology executives, engineers, paralegals, and more. The deadline to apply for the Patent Law Certificate Program is August 1st. Learn more and apply at law.campbell.edu. I live, um, as we just talked about in a recent episode, off of Blue Ridge Corridor, but I live in a community. And once you leave Durley and you drive the next block, there's a four-way stop, but it's internal to the community. They post it up there, so not on a major road, in a neighborhood, and we're giving 200, it was either 200 or $250 tickets to people for rolling stops. Luckily, my neighbor texted me because I think in your own, you know, you have stop signs in your community. I do it. You have that, you know, I'm used to this street. You can kind of like get the peripheral view and you don't slow, you don't stop. You don't, the four wheels don't stop. No, the, I live deep roll, in the neighborhood. Right? I roll out of my cul-de-sac yeah. and take a right turn almost every morning. And, and yeah, this just happened in the last two weeks. And for the first day or two, I mean, I stopped to the point that people wanted to honk, but now I find myself rolling again. And so it's just, it is hard for people, I think. To, well, I just know. think we've been doing it a long time. Yeah. And so it is a habit to break, but I have watched pedestrians have a safer uh, walk across yes. the street because yes. people, they aren't fighting the right right on red. So I, you know, I think that was probably a good move, even though I get frustrated sometimes with it when I'm in a hurry. I'm a big fan of the no right on red. I'm sure I'm, I'm going to get added for that. But um, if you think about the number of blind spots when you're sitting at a red light and you've got people behind you and, you know, we have a 
in a U-turn we have to do for work and there's people that are chickens, you know. And so I think when you just take it out of the equation that you're not even allowed to do it, you don't have that like stress sweat sitting at a red light. Like they wanted me to go, but I didn't want to go. Right. I I now can't go. (laughs) I can't can't turn right on red. Yeah. We definitely, we have a U-turn on Creedmoor to get to our office and it is stressful because we're all going in early in the morning or late in the or at lunchtime, yeah. and people get very frustrated if you don't have um, guts and yeah, the kahunas to go. Yes, and it's yeah, it's stressful. But I mean, coming back to Glenwood, you know this this has been sad to watch. Like you and I both remember Glenwood before there was even a bar or restaurant on it, yeah. and so to to watch it come from like literal warehouses and an area that wasn't used for any kind of entertainment at all and grow to have like Sullivan's and, and Helios and Mellow Mushroom and those early players and um, the Rockford rest yeah. in peace and then become this just idyllic wonderful place for people of all ages to like just blow off some steam and tromp around and like however you got there you know, by foot, by Uber, whatever, parked car, you just had this mile of playground, adult playground that grew into this beautiful thing. And I don't know what's happened in the last couple of months. You know, there's a lot of speculation about, you know, just the the amount of people that are moving here. And also to your point about the being the city's cash cow, how many people, which is something you have talked a lot about, how many people come from outside of the city. And Jason pointed that out too. You know, this is a really attractive area, meaning Lieutenant Borneo. It's a really attractive area that's drawing in a lot of people. Now, we're not going to sit here and blame visitors for this. But no. I just think it's no, worth no, no. pointing out that it's a destination. It is a destination. And, and months ago, Bill King and I talked about this, and he said part of what makes it fun is, is the abundance and he goes, it's a problem of abundance. Too many people, too much going on. You know, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. It's a great problem to have, and, and it benefits our city, but we have to figure out how to manage it. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the number of times I've been at the Avenue watching a football game in the afternoon and meet a couple who, you know, they live in eastern North Carolina or they live outside of Greensboro, and they plan their weekend. They're staying at a hotel, and they just came to spend spend basically a night and a day on Glenwood South. They wanted to go out there, dinner reservations here. They were going to hop in and out of bars or they had friends coming. I think, you know, it's it's not Broadway in Nashville, but it's ours. It's our entertainment district. And if you think about, I mean, Bill made this point. He was like, you know, for for basically the middle to eastern part of North Carolina, it is the entertainment district for this part of the state. Yeah, there's no, I mean, when you first said that to me, that blew my mind, but you're right. I mean, there is nothing else like it. And if if you're on the East Coast, you've got, you know, Wilmington has a party area, obviously, and, but nothing compared to Glenwood wow. South. And then, then you have Charlotte. And that's really, you know. And you want it to stay that way. I mean, that's, we just wrapped up being at, at Visit Raleigh's, you know, celebration of the success we're having with visitors. You want people from Eastern North Carolina and West all over the state and beyond to to want to come here. Yeah. To want to stay at, you know, the you know, the it's, AC hotel and stay at the Willard, go upstairs to the Willard and then work their way down the street. And it's in retrospect, it surprises me that it surprised me because when I lived over there and spent so much of my time there because it was so convenient, 
I almost never, when we were out and I would meet people, I don't, I couldn't tell you the percentage that weren't from Raleigh, but it was high. And I just never really thought about it. Like, oh, you're here from Fayetteville or, or mm-hmm. you're here for where, from wherever. Because in those small towns kind of surrounding Raleigh, there is nowhere to go out. It's kind of like before there was a Glenwood South and a Fayetteville Street here, we all went to Franklin Street to party. And that was the closest thing. You just do, got yourself you know? in trouble. It's you talk true, about me. Though. I know, but it's true. But, <laughs> but we're talking about I'm aging myself now too. So. Well, I, think, I think the other thing is I, I'm curious if we talk to a lot of 20 year olds who enjoy Glenwood South, if all this is concerning to them. You know, I'd be curious to know that people who go down there regularly because you and I don't. I mean, we go right. to Smoky Hollow, we may go to Draymond Draft or the Avenue. Or plates for brunch, but we're not at Cornerstone. I will say the day of bubbles and brisket, we made our way over there. But I I think day drinking, which is something that you have done on Glenwood, is a totally different scene. And, of course, it feels like the days of your, you know, because all this stuff's happening after dark. I laugh that, that, you know, you won't see me in Milk Bar after 5 o'clock because I feel like I look like a dinosaur in there. I'm old. Not really. No, you're not. But there was one night, and I cannot think why now, we were doing something for work, and somehow Lauren and I ended up at Lucky Bee's, which I had not been in in so long. And it was, I want to say a Saturday night. It was either a Friday or Saturday night. And it was strange. Like, I felt like nostalgic and out of place at once, but also surprisingly not out of place. Like, there was so many different types of people. Anyway, so we're there. Um, Her boyfriend comes and meets us, and— he, and then we're, we were going to walk up to the avenue, which is what I felt like was more our vibe. And um, we got distracted and went in teats. And that's kind of how the night ended. Like, we got a <laughs> drink in teats, and we started playing darts. And then Sean was like, Melissa's going home. And it's just funny because we also know a lot of people. Yeah. So, you know, drinks oh, are strong. And, you know. But it was weird to be. I can I couldn't remember the last time that I was there, and we weren't just at Dram or at the avenue. And we were actually, like, on foot oh. kind of surfing the crowd. Yeah. and. It was just, you might as well have been like the fair. I mean, it was just people everywhere. Oh, I have the funniest story. So I we closed the magazine, um, went out to dinner with a group of friends and Kevin from Dram and Draft, Mike, a bunch of us. And we were at the Oak. We made a couple of stops. We ended up at Dram. And then it was like, let's go. And I'm drawing a blank, so you just have to fill it in, the cigar bar. Oh, Oh my gosh, under under Armadillo Grill. I'll think of it. In yeah. A second, yeah. So I I'm ashamed to say this was a year or two ago now that I checked that off my list, but I'd never been in there. Um, and we ended up there. Well, the other people were drinking a lot more. I had not had very much at all, and so I walked. I left there and walked back to Dram and Draft to get the car. It was exactly that. It was like walking through the state fair on a Friday night when it's packed. I was just, and I ran into a few people who were like, Gina. And I was like, I know. Yeah. I'm out of place. It's 1130. I'm on Glenwood South. I'm not here. I wanted to pull out my camera and take photos. I really did because I thought for the magazine, it'd be great to have some yeah. of those crowd shots. It was cool. I loved it. I thought it it was our little small Broadway. Yeah. It really has exploded. Yeah. And I mean. But here's hoping Here's hoping that with RPD and with bar owners really deciding to crack down and and clean things up, that it can go back to being what it needs to be. It's good for the city. It's fun for the people who live here, for visitors. 
We'll get it straight. Yeah, and I think they intend to partner with other, you know, public safety entities, and this is, they're aware it's a problem. And yeah. and everybody in the city, whether you want to hang out on Glenwood South or not, you should care about it. Yes, $1.2 billion huge, yeah. in city revenue. That right there is enough reason for all of us to care if we never set foot on Glenwood South. We have to care. And, I mean, one block can bring a city down. You know, we, we win accolades all the time for how safe our city is, and it's important that that maintain across the city. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of an odd one to do rapid fire for, but one question. I mean, would you feel safe on Glenwood South? Yeah, I still would. I mean, I think it's a tough pill to swallow to know all this is happening. It doesn't reconcile in my brain with the place I know, but I would absolutely still feel safe there. I think I would too. I'd like to just a PSA: leave your guns at home. <laughs> Please <laughs> leave your weapons at home so that we we completely feel safe. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. This has been Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I hope after hanging out with us, you feel more like a Raleigh insider. You can find copies of our magazine around town or subscribe for $10 for 10 issues. We'd love it if you gave this podcast a rating and review and share it with your friends. This podcast was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Gina Stevens. We'll see you again soon.